folks welcome back to the norwood noise it is wednesday february 22nd got a little midweek action here for you uh get you in get you out get you all your college hoops news as we wind down the month of february can you believe it graham we are almost there myself evan shovel alongside graham griffith as always here on another beautiful evening here in norwood cincinnati ohio um and i'll turn it over to you graham how are things going uh you know what are, what are we looking at and what are we looking forward to um, here as the conference season kind of winds down. Yeah, I mean, I feel like every week there's just even more emphasis about how close we're getting. Um, all these games that you would not normally pay attention to are just that much more important. Um, as a lot of like the proven teams are trying to scrape together their final big resume builder wins, get good seeds for their respective tournaments. Then you got the bubble teams, you know, um, Make you know their plays either determining if they have a chance to make the tournament or if their season's done. Um, I think it's just an awesome time. You know these last few games of uh, the season. There's just so much weight, so much passion, um, and you know conference tournaments are next week or in Can two you weeks. Believe that? Well, weeks. well, but next week for some of the smaller conferences next yeah. weekend, which I'm I love. I honestly almost love the first weekend more because those are all the teams that are. Winning your end, losing your out. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, that a lot of these small tournaments are going to have um, a lot of excitement around them uh, from big fan bases because there are a lot of very reputable big-name brands on the bubble or fighting for seeds. You know, off the top of my head, I'm thinking the North Carolinas, the Texas Techs, the... Kentucky's, Michigan State's, Michigan, that they're, you know, really hopeful that a lot of things can go their way and they can they can make the tournament. Um, so I think it'll be absolutely electric um, for these big-name schools to be rooting for, like, the Big Sky tournament to go chalk. For sure, for sure. Um, couldn't agree more. And, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. You've got, you know, right now looking at, Power five, power six schools in that conversation right now on that bubble. We got Oklahoma State and West Virginia, um, Mississippi State, USC, Wisconsin, North Carolina, um, Oregon, Arizona State, Texas Tech, Penn State. All those teams are still, you know, sliding back and forth, you know, and for the ones that are really dialed in, like you said, Graham, going to be, you know, hoping those those one seeds win their tournaments, you know, in the uh, in those smaller conferences, and especially, you know, once you get into some of the conferences, you know, you know, the SoCon and then, you know, Florida Atlantic down there in the, uh, in the CUSA, you know, you're really hoping for, for those teams to take care of business. Cause otherwise, 
you know, then you're then you're looking at large bids and and things like that. And I think another trend that we're you know we've kind of talked about a little bit seeing is seeing some teams get hot from kind of like the middle to lower tier of a lot of conferences. Um, you know, Maryland's I think they're pretty safely in the field, but like Wisconsin right now is starting to win a couple more games. Mississippi State's starting to get hot. Um, you know, teams like that where it's like you know if they go out and win their conference tournament, then that might be another bubble burst as well. So. Um, yeah, a lot of great things to keep an eye on uh, here as we move closer and closer um, to you know conference you know conference tournaments uh, in in the brackets. So, um, but we do have to get started uh, real briefly, just with something a little bit more on the somber side. Um, some more you know awful news um, about the fatal shooting shooting excuse me that uh, took place in Tuscaloosa just a few weeks ago. We've now learned that Brandon Miller, star guard, um, guard forward uh, for Alabama projected lottery pick as of right now, um, was involved in that case. Uh, it is noted in the police report that he was uh, the one that provided the gun um, used in the shooting. And really, I just think the biggest takeaway for me is, you know, and we'll, I think we'll find out here in the next coming days is, to what extent did Alabama know about this? That's considering both the athletic department and Nate Oates, the head coach over there at Alabama, um, and how their lack of action and really lack and really like poor wording. Um, Graham, I don't know if you saw the uh, press conference yesterday, but Nate Oates chalking you know Miller's involvement up to quote wrong place, wrong time. I think is a horrible um, watered down synopsis of what happened. Because um, if you look at the situation and, and what is being described as to have happened, what allegedly happened is, you know, he he created the wrong place. He created the wrong time. You know, this is, um, and obviously, unfortunately, you know, it's really tough to put, you know, that kind of pressure and that kind of situation on, you know, an 18, 19-year-old individual um, and these young men that are obviously making really horrible decisions. But, you know, the, it, it is, you know, something you have to take note of and something that, you know, I think a lot of us believe that Miller should be held accountable for and the fact that, um, you know, he did supply that weapon um, that was eventually used um, to murder, you know, a young woman. So obviously a very, very unfortunate uh, situation and just something worth noting and, and keeping an eye on as as the story develops. Um but I guess I'll turn it over to you, Graham, kind of with the thought of, of what do you think an appropriate suspension would have been or something along those lines? Um, you know, do you think it could have been as far as suspending from the team or is it more of just a couple games? You know, what are kind of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, this is absurd news when you think about the two main individuals that the storyline is going to be surrounding. Uh, Brandon Miller and Nate Oates, um, because two of which have ascended to like the upper echelon of college basketball this season. Um, you know, it's been pretty consensus around uh, around the world that Brandon Miller is going to be the first college player drafted uh, in, in the spring. It's going to be Wembenyama, probably Scoot Henderson, and then after that, I mean, it's Brandon Miller, then pick him. Um, he has been unbelievable this year. 
He's been the missing piece that Alabama's needed the past two years. Um, in times where they get a little bit flat or they're playing a little bit out of control, he's been like that smooth operator, can score at any level. He's been unbelievable. So to see how he has completely flipped the storyline about him, the narrative of being proven winner, instant impact in the NBA, to now should you even draft this guy in a matter of hours is unbelievable and as we were talking about earlier where there's where there's smoke there's fire mm-hmm. there's no way that someone just accidentally has a gun in their possession and accidentally gave it to someone right that they know that they're close with um i think that this is going to unearth a lot of things that Brandon Miller won't want public ahead of his most life-changing moment of his entire life. Um, On the other end of the spectrum, Nate Oates has cemented himself as one of the best coaches in college basketball. Um, I mean, he's been compared to the likes of, like, Mike D'Antoni in the way that he's revolutionized uh, his pace of play, the way that they take their shots, um, their heat map of where they shoot from is just unbelievable. They have a black hole at the rim, it went like an inferno on the perimeter. Like no mid ranges involved at all. He's done an unbelievable job at Alabama. But now instead of talking about one of the best coaches in college basketball, um, title favorites, the story around Nate Oates is is he a good leader of men? Is he a good example that there's something absurdly tragic going on in their campus with the shooting, let alone you have two or frankly even more players involved in this situation and it's chalked up to be uh well we don't know what was going on he i'm sure he was in the wrong place at the right time instead of effectively handling it um if i was in alabama's position um without knowing any of the details i think an immediate suspension from the team is good not only as a punishment for being involved before things are you know, set in stone about what actually is going down. But it's also a lot easier for the kid. Now, I mean, Brandon Miller is going to be facing a lot of backlash. There's going to be a lot of stuff surrounding his name in a negative way. I think him being away from the team probably would have been best. Um, Agreed. Like, I'll let him go figure it out for a little bit. Yeah, I think that they're going to quickly try to find answers. Um, In the back of their mind, they have, you know, Houston, uh, Final Four, like, set in stone that that's their goal Mm -hmm. and I think if they are to suspend them it's coming quick and I'm sure that they're exhausting every resource to find out who was involved and to what extent extent um I could very well see a you know rest of the regular season conference tournament suspension I mean that's something that could really lay down the hammer he wouldn't be able to play his last home game in Alabama aren't able to compete um for their conference title for their conference tournament, but at the same time, you're still keeping them for, you know, what the goal is. Right. Um, I think that would be like a nice equilibrium of, you know, saying like this is the hammer, like you know we're taking care of this, but at the same time, you're, I mean, you're still protecting your player. Um, at the same time, like how, you know, exhaustive of a measure are you gonna go to for, who knows if he was involved. Um, right. This is a pretty serious topic that I hope gets you know figured out very quickly. 
um, because it's only going to get worse for the players involved, Nate Oates, and the family that was affected in this shooting. Sure. Yeah, and I think the interesting part, too, that, that I just don't really understand, I guess, from an Alabama perspective is, like, you know, obviously you you want to, as best you can, put basketball aside in this, like, because that is completely in the backseat, that is completely secondary to the to what's really happening here and how this should be handled. But I guess if you're looking at it from an Alabama perspective and the fact that, right, he's your star player, you don't want to lose him, you're playing at South Carolina tonight, the worst team in your conference. I don't understand why, when you find out yesterday that he was involved in this situation and it's being described this way in a police report and in court and in the media, I don't understand why you wouldn't just bang, quick, slap on the wrist, one-game suspension, and we'll go from there, right? Like, I think that is how... I, at least I would have handled it, I would think, and how I think it should have been handled because I, I don't because now Alabama is in a really bad position. They look horrible and they continue to behind behind this curtain of oh well we don't know, and while at the same time, in the media and in the larger presence of college basketball, all you're hearing is that this player, this star player, was involved in a shooting. So I, I just find that really interesting that they didn't. To some extent, and obviously this is not how you hope that it is thought of, but is the unfortunate reality um, that you wouldn't take advantage of this, you know, opportunity that okay, you know, we're playing an inferior team, should be able to get the win anyways, um, may as well take care of it here. So um, that you know, that's kind of our final thoughts on that, but um, definitely something worth keeping an eye on as the story develops. Of course, we'll keep you updated um, week to week. Moving into uh, weekend games, um, had a pretty good slate over the weekend. Um, you know, I'll run through it as I always do, um, and then we'll kind of ping pong, and then Graham, you can take it from wherever you'd like. Um, but starting Saturday, February 18th, uh, Indiana got a much needed win at home against Illinois. Illinois gave them a good run for their money, though. Um, good to see the final line. I show some fight there, um, but a good win for Indiana. Virginia just snuck away from Notre Dame at home. Uh, one by two, 57-55. Would have been a really bad loss for um, the Cavaliers, but they went ahead and took one tonight, and we'll get to that later. Uh, but they actually just lost to Boston College earlier this evening. They were the victim of a court storm. Um, it's definitely an interesting one there worth noting. UConn took care of business over Seton Hall. Um, Texas Tech's getting hot, which is just so interesting um, because now, like, I, again, and this is what we were talking about earlier, like, are all the Big 12 teams going to make the tournament? Probably not. But, man, Texas Tech is really making it difficult on the selection committee right now. Um, so they've won five uh, five straight now, and, and they really continue to roll. Um, and we'll kind of see what that means. Come conference playtime, I think they're starting to enter that bubble talk a little bit. Um, and we'll kind of see where uh, that goes from there. Kentucky completed the season sweep over Tennessee, 66-54. Um, and again, Tennessee is such a weird one because after that game against Kentucky on Saturday, and after you know last week or excuse me last night's game, uh, a loss to Texas A&M on the road. You know, if you don't beat Alabama in the middle of that, you know they've lost four of their last five. So I was pretty much ready to pronounce them dead, um, but then they go and beat Alabama, you know, a couple weeks ago. So. 
um, or I guess it would have been kind of middle of the week last week. Um, just a really weird one, like a really interesting one. Um, I don't really know what to think about Tennessee at this point. I, I don't trust them in the NCAA tournament, but then at the same time, the second I say that, they're going to go make the Final Four. So um, who knows what to do with Tennessee. Kentucky, good on them, getting that season sweep done. Probably starting to feel a little bit more comfortable around that bubble conversation right now. Kansas State beat Iowa State at home. Iowa State's skidding a little bit. Um, and, and the unfortunate part with that is now you're going to be playing a, a much tougher matchup there early on in the tournament, um, in the Big 12 tournament there for Iowa State. But they're starting to skid a little bit. Texas was taken overtime by Oklahoma um, in Austin, but they take care of business 85-83. They're tied with Kansas atop the Big 12 standings right now. TCU got to the century mark. They scored 100, beat a hot Oklahoma State team. Um, Again, good to see TCU kind of get things back on the rails a little bit. Um, Get Mike Miles, Eddie Lampkin back in the lineup, start to roll again there. Miami beat Wake Forest 96-87, taking care of business. Miami looks to be kind of favorite to win the ACC as of right now. Um, Kansas with one of the most ridiculous performances I have seen in a really long time from really any college basketball game. Uh, They were down um, 17 in the first half and won the game by 16. So, uh, again, I guess the mantra is like, or I guess the the takeaway is don't, don't, um, good one. Little, little dog toy ad. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, I guess the takeaway is, uh, you know, don't uh, don't get up on the Kansas Jayhawks. These last couple of years, it's been unbelievable. Um, their ability to come back, especially at home. Um, they outscored Baylor fifty-five to twenty-six in the second half. Are you kidding me? Um, unbelievable. Eighty-seven seventy-one win on game day, and man, Bill Self has just got this thing going in the right direction there for Kansas. Xavier Musketeers, we'll get to them later, but they really took care of business. Um, taking care of DePaul, 49, or excuse me, 82-68. I didn't realize, though, uh, DePaul did outscore Xavier uh, by eight in the second half. Um, but again, I think you kind of chalk that up to you know throwing the walk-ons in late in the game, um, having you know some serious injury issues, uh, having to see you know Elijah Tucker get some serious minutes there for Xavier. Um, but still good, taking care of business, getting a good win there over... DePaul and avenging that road loss uh, from earlier in the season. Providence took care of Villanova, 85-72. Not really uh, a contest there um, in that game. Um, and then we had uh, late late at night again, Alabama continuing to roll, 108-59. Absolutely crushing Georgia. Um, not really a close game there at all, and not really too much to mention out of that. Um, Creighton taking care of business on the road. Good win for them. And, and then kind of wrapping up the evening, Michigan, Michigan State. Really powerful scene there in Ann Arbor um, following the, uh, the, you know, the shooting in, in East Lansing um, earlier that week. This was Michigan State's first game back. Um, Michigan does well to get the win. Again, continuing to kind of get themselves in that bubble conversation. Um, but just a really powerful scene with the, with the students and um, – you know everything that Michigan, you know, did to kind of make, you know, it feel like a, a, a you know, a real community um, around that game and, and understanding the the larger importance of that um, was pretty cool to see, especially in a, in a rivalry game, um, you know, of that of that height. So did enjoy seeing that. Um, and then on Sunday, really the only notable notable result, excuse me, 
um, you know, worth mentioning um, was the win for North Carolina State over North Carolina. Really, like, I don't want to say effectively ending, um, you know, North Carolina's chances of making the tournament, but, man, do they look bleak. This is not a good team. They don't have a quad one win. Um, I just really don't know what else to say about the Tar Heels. Um, like, even if they win out, they're in a really, really tough spot. Um, they've got Notre Dame coming up. Um, actually, tonight, I think. Um, and, like, that's a that's a must-win game. So, uh, interesting to see, you know, where the Tar Heels go from here. Uh, but, but good on NC State, really taking care of business. Um, closed out North Carolina late in the game. It was tight pretty much the whole way through. Went on, like, an 8-0 run with a minute and a half left and just kind of closed up shop there. Um, NC State will make the tournament. They're feeling pretty comfortable right now. Um, and the Wolfpack are, are starting to roll a little bit. Again, North Carolina on the short end of the stick there and really probably on the outside looking in from the tournament. So, um, Graham, we'll turn it over to you with that. Uh, what's the kind of weekend slate? You know, what are the big takeaways for you uh, and what really highlighted your weekend uh, in college hoops? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think uh, the Michigan-Michigan State game was very powerful. Um, someone's been around the Big Ten for as long as I can remember watching sports. There's been the a hate triangle between Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Um, and to see, uh, you know, Michigan, you know, put aside the deep hatred, the rivalry, um, for something that was really special, I think is um, is a testament to how powerful sports can be. Um, you know, I think some of it gets lost in, you know, the rah-rah sport that it's all, you know, just fun and games and whatever. But the way that a game like this can really draw the entire state together, um, I think is really special. And it was really beautiful to see. Um, I'm also, as much as, you know, I've grew up not really liking um, Michigan State, I'm super locked in on them for the rest of the year. Um, they have a pretty decent resume. They just haven't been you know, that great. Um, they're about 500 in quad one and they finished the year, um, at Iowa, which will be a tough game, but then they have Nebraska and Ohio state. Um, very well could end up after a huge win, uh, on Tuesday versus Indiana. Um, they could very well, you know, finish the season going four and oh, and then making a splash in, uh, big 10 tournament could see them making, um, Tournament, even if it ends up being at like one of those awkward eleven seeds, I trust Izzo, and more so than that, I trust like the fan base and the players. You know, rally behind such a sure. traumatic thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you saw that on Tuesday. Like, obviously, you got a great win over a very good team, but the larger picture was just how cool the arena was and how emotional the you know moment of silence was. First time we get back, you saw Trace Jackson Davis rocking the Spartan Strong. You know, Indiana collab michigan state hoodie before the game like all that stuff was was awesome and a really really cool scene there on tuesday yeah i think it'll be um it would be one of the best stories of college basketball in recent memory if uh they are to make it to the ncaa tournament and what they would do uh come march so i'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes um another news uh st mary's I think is really, really legit. Um, 
BYU is kind of in that similar slate where they're like they've just been average. You know, they have some good wins, but they have some really confusing losses. You know, they took it to St. Mary's at home, um, but St. Mary's really just proved that they are a team that's here to stay. Um, getting a big crucial win there, um, and another big one is just overall what the Big Twelve has been the last few weeks of there has been not a lot of chalk but there has been some like pretty like conf- not confusing just like kind of awe striking games um like huge offensive games big comebacks and i'm really looking forward to the uh big 12 tournament just for like i genuinely think almost anything could happen for sure um the fact that texas tech's been able to turn it up late in the season um, and now they're getting like bubble talk stuff after a couple months ago, you know, they were in like the black hole pit of the big 12. They get some big wins. Um, Oklahoma state had a really weird non-conference didn't do well, but now, um, you know, they're 500 in the big 12, which is a lot harder than <laughs> being 500 in any other conference in America. Um, so that, I mean, that's pretty awesome to see. Uh, on Sunday, we also saw North Carolina travel uh, to North, North Carolina State. North Carolina State, really good team. They've been kind of struggling, um, but still, you know, that's a quad one opportunity for North Carolina on the road. They don't have a win in quad one yet. Looks pretty good in the first half. You know, they were playing pretty decent, and then North Carolina State just took over. Um, this would be one of the most confusing things in college basketball, North Carolina ends up missing the tournament. Um, God, yeah, they're down six right now at Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, like they they like if they lose this game. I I would declare them out if they lose this game. Yeah, and Notre Dame is in. The I guess mud. unless they win the ACC tournament. <laughs> yeah, which don't rule it out. <laughs> exactly, and that's the that's the incredible thing is like they have the talent, like they very well could. Mm-hmm. Um, on to Monday. Saw a big game between Kansas and TCU. Uh, TCU started out as one of the hottest teams in the country. Um, they only have one loss uh, during the start of conference play. A very confusing loss to Northwestern State. So weird. <laughs> um, and then they've kind of just exploded. You know, they dropped four games in a row. All without Mike Miles, mm-hmm. to be fair. True. Um, lost four games in a row. They got a really, like, shootout level game versus Oklahoma State winning 175. We talked about that a couple minutes ago. And then maybe they're riding a little bit of momentum. Um, Then Kansas really just outclassed them last night or on Monday. Um, And TCU, I think, is going to be out of the Big 12. I think they're going to be the team that's seeded the most incorrectly. Yeah, I'd say either them or Iowa State. And they could very well be on like that eight nine and draw like a you know like a very similar team like in Illinois. Yeah, like in terms of similar, I mean like like mid table um, power six team, and then you know they could draw like a beatable. Um, one or two seed. Yeah, they're coming out of that eight nine or seven ten matchup. Which, which obviously they won't get one of the Big Twelve teams. But you know, what if they have to play like Houston? Again, Houston, yeah, give us that. Re- or no, that was Arizona. Crap, sorry. Like, like a Houston TCU matchup uh, in the round of thirty two. 
would be like one of the like biggest like head scratchers that we've had in recent history because I For bet sure. when you put it on paper the resumes aren't gonna look that much different. No, no, totally agree. Yeah, TCU is a weird. I, I think TCU and Iowa State kind of fall into the category of like, man, they are ready to be done with Big Twelve conference play. Like they just can't get anything going. They can't get anything rolling. Um, I think K State's starting to slip into that a little bit. Um, they got a good win on Tuesday. Um, you know, as we flip over to Tuesday, um, Kansas State beat Baylor uh, at home, so a, a good win for them. Baylor, tough week against the Kansas teams, going 0-2. Um, and then, yeah, other results from Tuesday. Miami goes into Virginia Tech, which has proven to be a very tough place to play um, this year. Uh, Miami, though, takes care of business. Good win there. Um, Mizzou goes to overtime with Mississippi State. Both those teams, I think, are going to be really interesting come tournament time. I think Mississippi State can do it. I think they can get there. Mizzou, obviously, a little bit more comfortable. Um, those two teams are going to be ones to watch because I think they're really, really solid, and they've had stretches this year where they've really, really put, put it together. Mentioned it earlier, Texas A&M beat Tennessee. Texas A&M so weird. 6-7, uh, and seven, non-conference uh, play there. They lost to Wofford, um, amongst others. I, I forgot the other one. They had a couple weird losses. Um, they got blitzed by Colorado. Oh, they lost Colorado. to Murray State and yeah. Memphis and yeah. Boise State. Yeah, and, and Boise State's a good team, but outside of that, those other three are, are not good, not tournament teams. Um, and then A&M has just absolutely turned it up. So 20-7 and seven now. They're one game back in the SEC. I mean, we were, you know, kind of chalked it up as Alabama's going to win this whole thing, but I uh, – you know, if Alabama trips up here, or there, somewhere, you know, in the in these next couple of weeks, they got to they got play, they got to go to College Station on the final day of the regular season. That very well could be for a you know for a tie of the SEC or even an outright um, title there. So definitely worth um, keeping that noted. Yeah, um, and for Texas A and M, I think that Buzz Williams is one of the more underappreciated coaches in college basketball. I think a lot of times like this. There's like a big push, I'd say, and I mean everything's kind of modeled after Wooden, but it's been more of a stress, and just like seeing on TV the teams I've been around, how important like your identity and your culture is, and Buzz Williams after uh, an absolute great game against Tennessee, um, you know they interviewed him and instead of talking about X's and O's and the shots that they're made, like, like his main thing was that. This Texas A&M team buys into the intangibles, and that's awesome. Right. Um, the fact that you know this is a type of coach that you know you're 13 and two in a Power Six conference. You're one game back over one, one game behind one of the best teams in college basketball, if not the best team in college basketball, and you're getting guys to buy in, you know, to blocking out, hitting the floor. Um, I think that is one of the most like awesome things about this Texas A&M team. I mean, this is an A&M team that is a year removed from the NIT. Um, you know, Buzz Williams, that was one of the first things he said in his presser. The start of the NIT was that this is not an NIT team, but they're here, you know, make some noise, and they did. Um, going to the f- Final Four. I have my air quotes out of the NIT. No, they're in the title game, dog. St. Bonaventure. We beat... No, we beat Texas A&M in the final. Oh, okay. <laughs> that shows well, you yeah. how much we pay attention to them. Yeah, so they're in the final, but... Um, Even with our own team playing in the NIT. Yeah, regardless, I think that it's been an awesome turnaround. Um, 
you know, they, they have some new players and some stuff to figure out. So at the start of the season, there's some really confusing losses. And I really hope that the non-conference games aren't too much of a stress when it comes to tournament time, when you're picking teams, because this is a team that really deserves it. I think they deserve a high seed the way they've been able to take care of business. I think it's going to be weird, though, man, because that, that committee, they love that whole body of work, man. Yeah. I don't know. They might get, like, a seven seed. God, how awful would be, like, a 7-10 matchup of TCU and Texas A&M, <gasps> 8-9, just man. like a Texas it, war. Well, it will, and on top of that, like, if you're the one seed that gets to play that, like, you don't want that. Like, I, dude, if you're Houston or um, who's the other one seed? Purdue, like, I don't think you want that in the second round. Yeah, I mean, all all you need is, like, that one or two seed to play, like, like one of the mid-majors is, like, you know, like, they're going to be, like, 28 and 6, like... Right. Like, ooh, St. Peter's, ooh, Florida Gulf Coast, ooh, UMBC. <laughs> like, is it. this, like, and yeah. you, you have no clue out of the four teams in that little mini region right. who's going to come out of it. As a bracket, you're sitting there like, oh, I don't know what to yeah, do just here. just throw it away. <laughs> um, other notables, Tuesday, Marquette Creighton. Uh, Marquette about locks up the Big East for at least a share of that uh, regular season title. Really executed down the stretch. They outscored Creighton in the second half. Creighton had him in kind of in the bag and and let him back in the game. You know, I, I watched it. I, I get it, Creighton fans. Like the call was completely missed there at the end of the game. But you were up double digits in your home arena. Like you should take care of business there if you want to be, you know, considered a, a Big East title contender. Um, and they didn't. And they let Marquette back in the game. And they all but took care of business there. And really, I mean, you're looking at Marquette. They're sitting at 22 and six, and this is a very, very good basketball team. Um, obviously, we know that, um, but I, I don't know if I don't know if they're getting enough recognition um, nationally. And I think uh, they can be sneaky come tournament time. Um, you know, going forward, Texas rolled Iowa State. They won by 18 last night. Not even close. Um, and San Diego State continued to take care of business over there in the Mountain West. 22 and 5. Mountain West still on track to send three to four teams uh, to the NCAA tournament. And then flipping over just to some quick notable results tonight. Um, obviously, we talked about Boston College. Court Storm, uh, they took care of Virginia. Great win for Boston College. Um, obviously, it doesn't mean too much towards the tournament resume. They're still going to play on the first day of the ACC tournament. But not a great loss for you know Virginia. That's what you see as like a seed line knock. Um, kind of lost there, so yay to see that. Uh, we mentioned North Carolina is down eight at half to Notre Dame. I mean, what, like, what is going on here? Um, UConn absolutely rolled Providence tonight. They almost won by twenty. Um, good on UConn to get to get a win. Really, kind of you know settle things a little bit as we get closer to that Big East tournament. Um, and then also worth noting. Uh, we've got later tonight, excuse me, later tonight we've got, um, I can't find it here, uh, New Mexico and Boise State, really top tier matchup there in the Mountain West, that's a 10.30 tip, um, probably going to go watch that after we get off here, um, but it should be a good one, um, Boise State at home there, again both those teams still looking like pretty viable NCAA tournament candidates. But if New Mexico really wants to lock it up, a win at Boise State would be very, very helpful for them. And then, of course, 
I got to give my mid-major some love. Part of it's because one of my boys goes there. Uh, but just got to shout it out. Uh, as long as, you know, barring an absolute collapse here in the last two minutes for uh, the Drake Bulldogs, Drake's going to be playing Bradley uh, in the Missouri Valley there on Sunday at Bradley in Peoria for the Missouri Valley uh, regular season title. That is awesome. Come on. How often do you get that where you get a final day game that's coming down to it and and they're playing for the you know the, the regular season title? Very rarely do you see that. Everybody should be tuning in. I believe it's on ESPN2, 4 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. I'll be locked in. I think that's going to be a great game. Um, very excited for that. So definitely worth noting. And really both those teams – the Valley team every year coming out of the Valley is, is always um, really, really solid and, and definitely worth um, you know looking at for an upset. But both those teams are really getting a roll, and Drake especially. Drake has been unbelievable down the stretch here. They had some weird non-con losses. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you look at their schedule, um, ever since, you know, they, they lost a couple early there. Um, you know, early January, they lost back-to-back at Missouri State, at Southern Illinois. Um, but since then, only one loss since January 7th, and they have just rolled through the Missouri Valley um, conference play. So obviously got still got to take care of business, got to get there, um, getting through arch madness there uh, in down in St. Louis. Um, but that's one, of the, that's one of my favorites every year. I love watching that one amongst a couple others um, in those, those early uh, – you know, conference tournaments and stuff like that. So just wanted to make sure that was noted. Um, and we gave that, you know, those mid-majors some do love. But, yeah, I mean, we got we got auto bids coming out next week, man. Come on. We are there. It's happening. So I can't wait. Graham, I know you're just as excited. Um, and, yeah, let, let, let's get out of here. Let's wrap it up with the Musketeer Minute. Um, takeaways. You know, you beat DePaul. You take care of business there. Suffer a, a weird, unfortunate, like, gut-wrenching home loss to Nova, um, losing at home against Villanova last night. Um, 64-63 was the final on that one. That's a quad three loss. What are you know? What are the takeaways? Where's the mindset at right now? you got two really tough games coming up at Seton Hall, at Providence, uh, and then you wrap it up with Butler at home before the Big East tournament. Yeah, um, I think one of the things that I've been really uh, just – kind of just been stuck with um today saw something on twitter um about our torvik ratings um torvik's very similar to ken palm if those you guys aren't familiar it's just a little bit of a few tweaks here and there um put it into perspective xavier is uh 24 and ken palm on uh, overall um 83 in defense and 10 in offense torvik 23 overall um 85 in defense and 12 on offense um just to show that very similar numbers um moving on though since zach freeman has gone out uh with injury we have a three and three record um after starting conference play uh since he's been out we were nine and two before his injury um in that time period that we've gone six and six since his in i mean three and three since his injury our torvik is 31 uh, overall with a 51 ranked offense, which is just over just under 40 spots worse than what it is without them or overall. And defense is 43, which is 
40 spots better than what it is overall. I think that is a testament to the coaching staff and um, the real adjustments that the main core guys have had to make um, that I think, you know, the defense set is a little bit swayed because you aren't having Zach, um, who's more, you know, interior post player, whereas you're getting a lot more uh, Jerome Hunter, who usually when he's on the court, he's guarding the best player. So with him, I mean, he doesn't, you know, take some statistician or some great basketball genius to understand if Jerome Hunter, one of your best defenders, is going to be playing a lot more minutes, playing a lot more first-team minutes, um, your defense is going to look better. But regardless, I think it's been um, really interesting how much our identity and pace of play has changed since Zach has been out. These games that he's been hurt for have just been absolutely gut-wrenching um, because you, you know, there's times where you feel like we can't buy a bucket um when when we'd have cold stretches you know you could get him the ball in the high post short corner you know give him one dribble or a post move and you know it's almost automatic it felt like mm-hmm. um there's been a lot, like, a lot of like the pushback you know when you lose the butler game you lose the marquette game uh the villanova game where it's like oh i wish x player did this oh i wish this ref didn't make this call X player on the other team did this like while I mean most of it is true and has some serious weight to it I think people are starting like forgetting how good Zach Freeman was he was a Big East player of the month just a little bit ago um, he was unbelievable for us an absolute um, shift in talent um, from last year to this year what he's been able to do under the new coaching staff new opportunities for him all over the court. Um, but we're at a point in the year where while you are shifting your identity, while you are finding a way to compete without one of your best players, at one point it needs to click. And um, these last three games are not going to be easy. You have a quad one opportunity against Seton Hall. Um, Seton Hall definitely needs this win. Um, if they want any hopes of making the tournament as not large yeah Yeah. like i think that they would need to get this huge crucial um quad one game for them and at the same accord uh having the opportunity to uh put them in a position to make a splash in the big east tournament i think that they aren't that mudded Yet that I don't think they need to win the Beast tournament to have a chance, uh, or they don't need to win the Beast tournament to make the tournament. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is a definitely a desperation win for Seton Hall. But it's coming to the point with the way that West Virginia and Florida, UC, UConn have kind of fallen off the wagon in a little bit in their own respective areas that our resume is slowly going down with each of our losses um, that we can't bank on some of our wins anymore. Um, so having the opportunity to get a quad one win against Seton Hall, having a good bit of time off before you play at Providence. Providence uh, just fell to UConn uh, tonight, which puts them in a position where they, they're they going to need a big win. 
um, as they hope to ha- have some involvement in the Big East tournament, uh, or in the Big East regular season title. Uh, Marquette's kind of running away with it now, having a game advantage over everyone, or two game advantage over everyone now. Two game advantage in a, in a cupcake schedule. Though, yeah, so um, they've gotten blessed with the last three games of their season, definitely being games where they'll be heavily favored in. Um, I think they're favored by at least eight or nine per Ken Palm in their last three games. Like it's yeah, they're in a good spot. Uh, and then you end the um, end the year on Butler, which if you told me that. Two months ago, I would have been all in on it about, you know, Butler's an inferior team. We'll be senior night. Juices are flowing. But that's going to be a game that, uh, I mean, who, hopefully it means something for Big East uh, tournament seeding. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, but Butler also beat us. And it's a rivalry game. It's an important game. Um, so I feel like, you know, the way that we've been able to adapt without Zach has been great. I mean, overall... Losing someone of his caliber um, could be extremely detrimental. But I think the fact that we've been able to keep games close, we've been a, a shot away, a foul call away, um, you know, like the way the ball bounces away from having you know, very well a 6-0 and record. I mean, you look at our three losses, how close they've been. Um, definitely been mistakes on our end that, you know, if you correct, you could very well finish the season a lot stronger. I think there's a lot of forward momentum to build on. Um, It'll be interesting to see after that brutal Villanova game how we respond this Friday. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Yeah, I think you got to go two and one this next three. Um, If for nothing else, like obviously, I think you know, obviously, Big East seeding at this point isn't you know as much at the forefront of the team's mind. I think it's more. You know, you got to get something flowing. You got to get something working. Um, coming down the stretch here and heading into the Big East tournament, because you know, likely we're gonna face a team that we have probably lost to at some point this season in that first round of the Big East there on Thursday. So um, definitely got to keep, you know, keep things rolling and get something flowing here. You know, as we as we look down the barrel of the Big East tournament coming up here and just. A couple short weeks, yeah, two weeks from now, Graham. Team will be in New York. They'll be getting set up, Madison Square Garden. And I can't wait for the tournament. I, I legitimately think any any team in the conference can win it. Um, Non-Georgetown or St. John's, probably. Um, you know, Butler's a, a hard maybe. DePaul's a hard maybe. You know, but but like I do legitimately think that, that all those teams could make a splash, could have a chance. Seton Hall especially, I think, is a very dangerous team. That's not getting talked about enough. Obviously, we've seen that Nova has had some, you know, some flashes here and there. Obviously, a really big one last night here in Cincinnati. So yeah, I definitely think um, can't wait for this uh, this Big East tournament coming up here shortly. Thank you all for joining us. As always, um, Wednesday, February twenty second, we're wrapping it up here. Um, yeah, thanks again for listening as always, and we will talk to you again next week kind of as we wrap up the radio season, uh, and then we'll have to figure out a way to get a quick one in before the Big East tournament because we'll have to do some kind of preview action there, um, of course, before all those conference tournaments and as we kind of wrap up uh, those those smaller leagues and their auto bids getting in. So coming down to it here, uh, end of February, getting into early March. Can't wait to break it all down with you. Thanks again, as always, for listening to the Norwood Noise Podcast. Myself, Evan Chibble, alongside Graham Griffith. 
We'll catch you all very, very soon. Looking at next week before we talk to you again. Cheers.